The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Well, pleasant Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Mark Segrist, along with Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors, owner and president, Brian Wickert, and chief millennial consultant, David Wickert. Always great to be with you guys. Hey, uh, if you have a question or comment, you can reach us here at the Acunet Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. Our number is easy to remember. It's 414-799-1620. Looking at your rundown today, boy, you guys mm-hmm. have done your research. Yes. And loaded, yes. loaded for bear. Loaded for bear. That's right. And uh, let's start out with, uh, I'm going to call it the flash early numbers. You know how the government always comes out with the first estimate of this, and then they revise it. Well, you know, here we are on June 3rd, only a couple of days after the end of the month. So all the sales may not be input into the Milwaukee, Greater Milwaukee Association of Realtors, MLS system, which is where these numbers come from. Uh, But the preliminary numbers, I'm going to call it, show that single family detached home sales in the five county metro area were down 10.5%. Holy cow. Yeah. But now I'm going to expect, I'll give you the numbers for next week's show. David's going to do the show by himself next week. And, um, you know, I bet that that number will shrink a little bit, but to, still nine percent. I don't know. I don't know. But um, here's the the details. There were sixteen hundred and eighty two single family home sales recorded so far in Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Racine counties for May that were facilitated by members of the National Association of Realtors. That's the only folks that can get in the MLS. Mm. So there are, I think, a growing number of for sale by owner transactions out there with this strong market. People are just poking a sign in the yard or putting it out there on Craigslist or Zillow. And right. some of those transactions are happening, but they don't get recorded in the MLS. Uh, that's 199 fewer home sales than May a year ago. What counties was this again? That's the five counties, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, Ozaki, and Racine, officially known as the Milwaukee Metropolitan Statistical Area. Okay. That's because Kenosha is technically part of the Chicago metropolitan statistical area. There you go. And uh, there were two, here's the good news. There were almost 2,500 listings, 2,488 new listings in May. That's 7% lower than the number of listings in May last year. But it's still 800 more than what's sold. So the good news is inventory of available homes is rising. All right, but now I'll quickly tell you about condos. Uh, Condo sales so far for recorded May sales down 12.6% to 369 closed sales. And the listings were actually up 4.5%. There were 506 new condo listings coming on the market. All right, but now here's my little shocking insight of MLS data um, at the moment. If you just looked at how many homes I picked two markets New Berlin in Waukesha County and Wauwatosa in Milwaukee County and if you looked at those uh, two numbers you would see that there are allegedly 115 active listings David ooh but wait the ones that have an offer are still included in that number that's right and so they're called he, active with offer that's right And so when you take those out of the mix, there are only 48 
single family detached home listings. Oh, wait, I got to put the price collar on this between two hundred thousand and three hundred thousand. So I just said, what's the most active, you know, price range? Yeah. So I collared it in that two hundred to three hundred thousand dollar price range. There are only forty eight, and then if you look at the number of homes. And I went by listing price in both cases that actually sold in May. The answer is 44. (laughs) So that's basically a one-month supply. What that means from a practical standpoint is if you're buying, if you're a shopper, you got to get out to these houses right right when they go on. Right, you can't wait till the weekend. List on Tuesday. We'll go on Saturday. It'll be gone. you got to get out there. Yeah. And, in fact, what some agents, listing agents are doing is they are, what do you want to call it? Trying to. It's like a up. delayed look, yeah. a delayed open house. That's right. So they'll put the pictures out like on a Thursday, and then they're they're trying to ramp up demand, and then they will have a frothy like demand. Frothy. Yes. That's what I'm. They're frothing, whipping up the demand. Then they'll have the open house on Sunday, mm-hmm. and say, okay, get all your offers in by Monday. You know, so they're really trying to get the most. Well, they're they're doing a good job right. for their for their sellers and so that's just you know you get we went when when we were helping you shop for homes david like four years ago oh yeah there were a couple times when you're in the house with other people looking we were watching a packer game and we left at halftime to go look at a house that's how serious that's there's nothing more serious than that that's that's a sacrifice that is a huge sacrifice (laughs) all right when we come back let's talk a little bit more about uh the need to be the best version of you when you're out there shopping for a home and uh, how sellers are evaluating offers. And we'll talk about that in the context of a couple of divorce situations that I encountered this week when we come back. All right. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on 620 WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. You know, the baseball world is beginning to take notice of what's brewing at Miller Park. See where a national panel has the crew ranked in their latest power poll by texting the word Brewers to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Number is 414-799-1620 to see where the team stacks up right here on WTMJ. Before you left for the break, you got a couple interesting stories about how you're reaching out to some families here. That's right. I got two uh, divorce-related calls this particular week. And, David, while we were getting ready to do the segment here on the break, you had mentioned there are three stages that you can be in uh, sure. during divorce. What the, are they? Uh, BD, DD, and AD. Before divorce, during divorce, and after divorce. That's right. And so these two cases happen to be during divorce, the DD, the middle section. And, uh, by the way, all right, this is my quiz question. Uh, we'll ask Mark first. What U.S. government agency keeps track of both marriage and divorce statistics in the United States of America? Mm. I'm thinking human services. Okay, David. Census Bureau. Center for Disease Control, my really? friends, the CDC. You're I don't know. That care. That <laughs> I, uh, I don't What's know. the seamless nature of this? I can't tell you that, but here are some interesting facts, you know, because this all goes, how common is this? You know, how common is divorce? How often does this come up? And uh, so some interesting things I, I, I dug up this morning, 52% of Americans and some, for some reason, they count uh, people above 15 years old. 
in the group of people that could get married. Because apparently, I don't know what it is in Wisconsin, but maybe you can get married when you're 16 in some states. Uh, 52% of Americans uh, above age 15 are married. About a third, uh, by the way, have never been married. And I'm hoping that that's most of the people between 16 and, I don't know, 21. 15 million, or about uh, six out of every 100, are widowed. And one out of 10 or 25 million of those adult Americans are divorced and not currently remarried. So if you kind of look at it one other way, about 14% or one out of every seven living Americans, 16 or older, uh, that have ever been married are currently divorced. All right. So then I looked at it another way, and this comes from the CDC's national survey on the probability of a first marriage lasting at least a decade if you were married in the 2000s is now 68% for men and 70% for women. Hmm. Which I think means that we're starting to count some same-sex marriages in there. Sure. Because otherwise it should be the same, right? Uh, The probability that you'd make it 20 years was 52% for women and 56% for men. Anyway, so how how does this relate to... um, buying a house. So I got the call uh, and this was from the divorcing spouse and she wanted to go out and buy a home. And the good news is that their former marital home now has an accepted offer. But the two problems are that she doesn't have a signed marital property settlement agreement. And she's also newly self-employed. Okay. So when it comes to do I have any income that I can use to help you qualify to buy a home? Well, the answer is no, because the other rule is in order to count uh, child support or separate maintenance that she's going to get from her future ex-spouse, she has to have a six-month track record of receiving it. And she doesn't. She has not started to receive any child support or separate maintenance. They've kind of been living out of the same checking account while they're going through the divorce. So even though her her divorce attorney mentioned to her, well, you should have plenty of income as soon as we have the marital settlement agreement nailed down. In six months. Yeah. She doesn't know. The divorce attorney doesn't know about the six-month rule. And what we're trying to get to in the mortgage industry is some level of uh, continuity or reliability of that income source. Right. So that's the rule. Now, the other problem is that anybody who is in the middle of a divorce and doesn't have that signed marital settlement agreement, which spells out whose debts are whose and whose uh, assets are whose, right. you're poison. You cannot be a you borrower. You are currently party to a lawsuit. Well, a, a, that hasn't been settled because we don't know what your obligations are going right. to be. You know, is one party. Now, we might surmise or we might, might know in this particular case that, yeah, the ex-husband is going to end up paying support to the ex-wife because the ex-wife doesn't have a job, but we can't assume that. Mm -hmm. And so because we don't know what your monthly obligations are, we can't lend you money because we have to do a debt-to-income analysis. All right. Now, the second thing is that she needs her parents then to co-sign, all right, because she doesn't have any income. And luckily, her retired parents are willing to co-sign. We haven't done the information gathering yet. But if they want to buy a house before her marital property settlement agreement is completed, there's only two ways to do it. And that is, number one, we could lend the parents money on their primary residence. We could do a cash-out refinance on the parents' primary residence. 
And, you know, let's say they want to buy a $200,000 home for their daughter. We could give them a $200,000 cash out refinance. And because they, could use they have the equity. Because they happen to have the equity. Okay. Now, what we don't know yet is if they have the income. Sure. All right, because I haven't had that application interview yet. The other way that we could do it is to have them purchase the new property as a rental property. And the advantage of doing that, because they're going to own this thing for six months, you know, or more. Up until up until she could buy it from them or correct. refinance it. The ultimate goal is for the daughter to buy the house, but it might be buying it from her parents, uh, um, you know, six months or eight months into the future. The advantage of having them buy it as a rental property is that then we could use 75% of the fair market rent of that house as qualifying income. So if the parents are a little short on qualifying income to carry both properties, right? Their existing house and the new one, that's one way to scale. Wait, so it sounds like the details matter even when you're getting divorced and they matter even more yeah. when when you're in the process of getting Imagine divorced. That. And so the good news is we have a lot of experience doing that. When we come back from this next break, I got one other divorce story and then a couple of other stories live from the front lines of mortgage lending relative to buying homes when we come back. Excellent. And you're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Weckert on WTMJ. Festival season is here. First up, Pride Fest Milwaukee kicking off on Thursday of this week. WTMJ's Mike Spaulding sits down with the director of the festival for a preview. That's today coming up at 11 o'clock as part of our WTMJ Conversations series. We're learning some interesting stuff as it relates to how you reach out to couples going through a time of divorce right. and make it possible for them to consider to buying, yeah, buying to move on amid their negotiations. Right, right, right. And so the only thing we don't need the divorce to be final. We just need the marital property settlement agreement. The how are we dividing up our our liabilities and our assets? That has to be finalized, preferably signed off by the court, and then not because now we have a stable situation. We know what we're looking at. Who's got the car payment? Who's got the credit card payment? You know, what are the uh, 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 maintenance and child support? And while we're on break, I wanted to make this important uh, distinction for uh, folks who have to pay child support or maintenance to their ex-spouse. We, we don't call it alimony here in Wisconsin. We call it either family maintenance or maintenance right. for, for, the, uh, for the spouse. And here's the deal. If Fannie Mae made a change in their rule book, and it, in the past, both child support and uh, maintenance were counted as a debt, just like it was a car loan. So let's say that uh, somebody was making $10,000 a month gross, but they had $4,000 a month in combined child support and maintenance payments. Well, that looked to a mortgage lender like they already had a 40% debt-to-income ratio. Because they were shelling out four grand on ten grand a month income, you're pretty much dead in the water. Because typically we can only go to forty five percent. That's a big car payment. That is a big car payment. But now, uh, Fannie Mae allows maintenance to simply be deducted from your gross income. So in my little example here, that four thousand, if we categorized it all as maintenance, no child support. Now we can just use the person's income at six grand, ten thousand minus the four. Oh, now I've got six grand of income and no debt related to the uh, divorce proceedings. That is much more favorable. So anybody who is in the process of divorce and you want to buy a house in the future, uh, 
in the process of negotiating, you are much better off in terms of mortgage qualifying. Now, there could be tax consequences or other categorizing payments in the maintenance bucket rather than child support. All right. My other quick story is uh, is a is a woman who's in the midst of divorce that got the call from the dad. They want to buy a much more modest house, about $140,000 to help their daughter out. They are in the midst of this negotiation, cantankerous uh, negotiation between the two divorcing parties. And so the woman doesn't want to take title to the property. So this is a much more temporary situation because I'm told that this particular daughter of the father who called has a good job, can easily qualify, but just can't get entangled or doesn't want to have this uh, purchase transaction clouding the negotiation of the divorce. So there my advice was different. I said, just get a home equity line of credit, buy the house. You know, in other words, get a home equity line of credit on your existing home, Mr. Dad. Oh, okay. Okay. Because he, again, has plenty of equity in his home. Okay. Go out and get a quick home equity line. I hook, hooked him up with a bank that can do it very quickly, one under prime. Use that as the money to buy the house. And then when your daughter's divorce is final, we can help her buy the home from you. Proving that it's nice to have nice parents as well. Well, let the in, record show. In both of these situations. <laughs> parents, that's what parents are there for. Oh, yeah? You're right, to help out. I'm going to make know. note of that. All right, yeah, do, do make note of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so there's your segment on uh, divorcing. But the, the basic idea is that whatever your circumstances, you have to present yourself to that seller. For example, in the first case, you would never want to have her write the offer subject to the sale of her home. That is a bad uh, kiss of death. Kiss of death. That's what I wanted to call it. And, you know, the other thing that we know is you have to be aggressive. You know, we had the cases last week where people thought, oh, no, I'm going to steal the property. No, you're not. When there are multiple offers, you're probably going to have to pay over the asking price. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we come back after the news, let's talk about a couple of cases where we've had problems with the appraisals coming in below the asking price and what the options are when that happens. We'll do that after the news. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Brian and David, as always, a pleasure to be with you. Learning a lot of great stuff this morning. Great stories, great helpful information. Indeed. Thanks, Mark. And, uh, you know, so it's a hot purchase market. That's what we've been talking about. Great for sellers. And so I've got a story here, um, and this is about a tri-level. And, uh, David, do you remember we looked at a tri-level? And we put an offer, and we got it accepted, and then we killed it on inspection. Oh, yeah. It was in Brookfield. Field. Yeah. Big tri-level. Big. With no door to the garage. That was a good... That was that an was oddity. Yeah. 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 Your mother criticized me for writing that <laughs> offer later. Like, what were you thinking, Brian? And I'm right. like, hey, don't worry, honey. A thousand dollars later and we'll be out of this deal. No problem. Right. <laughs> Inspection and stuff like that. No, I think it was... I can't remember. Anyway, so let's talk about tri-levels. So the, the challenge with tri-levels... And by the way, this house had multiple offers. Mm -hmm. And uh, so our home buyers were successful. And then what happened is that the the um, appraisal came back quite a bit lower than the purchase price, $35,000 lower. That's a lot. You know, very typical. Now, it, I did the math. It's about 8% based on the purchase price. And, of course, what's always, always, always upsetting about tri-level appraisers, appraisals, what's the first thing, David? They're not counting all the square footage in That's this house. That's right, because according to the American National Standards Institute... And see. Did you just make that up? No, I didn't. I read it in the appraisal report. Okay. And then I Googled it a little bit this morning. Um, 
the way to do a split level, so it could be a bi-level or a four-level or a tri-level, is that if any part of the um, floor that you're looking at is not 100% above grade, mm -hmm. then it's not considered in the main gross living area. It has to be categorized as below grade. And the unique thing about this property, this particular tri-level, is that the front door is on the lowest level. Yeah. And so is the garage. Because a lot of times, like, we're gonna, Dave and I are going to play um, a golf with my brother from Green Bay and my nephew, and they have a tri-level, but you come in at the middle level right. and then go down to a bedroom, bathroom, and family room and go up to some bedrooms. That's kind of more standard. So this particular tri-level... Uh, you come in at that lowest level and then go up to the two uppers. So our buyers wanted to argue that, well, no, you should really count that square footage downstairs as main living area. And Which then, gets a higher value per square foot. Correct. And the difference in this case was substantial. Uh, the appraiser was giving $35 a square foot for square footage differences above grade and yeah. only $10 a square foot for uh, square footage below grade. Well, anyway... Uh, we put in an appeal, and the thing that we need to do different, David, Lee, David, going forward on anybody, is to tell our buyers, okay, yeah, we'll put in this appeal. They gave us other comparables and the whole argument about, mm -hmm. you know, this blah, blah, blah. The chances of the appraiser changing their mind are slim and none, right? Because they're professionals. Mm -hmm. They've done their job. Mm -hmm. And unless we catch them in some really big mistake or, oh, you know what, you really should have used this other comparable sale – Chances of them changing their mind, I've seen maybe one out of 20 tops. Correct. Maybe more like one out of, yeah, it's very low. So, I've got a question, yeah, if I may. Yeah, If ahead. you're talking about a dormer situation or an attic where it's indeed renovated yeah. and usable space, people, it's like a nice living area oh, yeah. or bedroom, is that sort of a gray area? It has to do with the ceiling height. The really? ceiling height has to be at least seven feet. Another thing that I learned in the ANSI standards this morning, A-N-S-I, yeah, has to be at least a seven-foot high ceiling. Now, you know, you could you could have a knee wall, right, but it's supposed to be the seven-foot minimum height. But sure, that's if it's above grade, which an attic would right. be, that is usable space. All right, so, um, so now the good news on this story was that they were making a sufficient amount of down payment mm -hmm. that we could still make the loan um based on the reduced price and we were able to deliver their commitment letter but because of the reduced equity situation the rate is going to be a little bit higher than what we started out at and and so cuz don't forget your mortgage friends at Acunet can only lend you on the lesser of the right. purchase price or the appraised value and that's true of any lender um but us in particular so the um the counsel that I gave the buyer uh late on Friday I I talked with her I said look at you know, you had multiple offers on this property at or near the price you're buying it for. Just because the appraiser can't come up with that number and you have a disagreement over what should be the square footage, um, it doesn't mean the property is not worth what you're paying for it. It just means that the appraiser couldn't do their job the way they saw fit. And by the way, the other thing that she thought, and we need to explain to buyers in all cases, David, so remember this for this coming week's loan consultant meeting, mm -hmm. is that when we appeal an appraisal, it just goes back to the appraiser. It's not like we're appealing it to some tribunal. Appellate of, level. Yeah, like a, a judge or another appraiser. 
That only happens if we call for a review appraisal. And I'm going to tell you a story about one of those after this next oh, break. It's it interesting. This is the Akin Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. It was 50 years ago this week that Robert Kennedy died in Los Angeles after winning the California presidential primary. What would have happened had he lived? Well, Gene Miller breaks it down at 7.51 Monday morning right here on Wisconsin's Morning News on WTMJ. Brian and David, you're teaching us some interesting perspectives as it relates to the appraisal industry. Yes, it's it's a uh, you know particularly interesting and difficult time uh, for appraisers when you've got so much demand. We talked at the beginning of the show about how in a lot of the most popular price ranges in markets, you've got less than a month's supply. And so, you know, people are bidding up home prices. Why? Because they want to own the home. Mm-hmm. The poor appraiser has to use historical information. Like driving to, with your rear view mirror. That's what they often say. Mm-hmm. And to catch up with that. So now this is a little different story. This is on a duplex rental property. And... Um, the initial appraisal came in at the purchase price. Awesome. The Amazing how that happens Well, sometimes. that's because, remember, the appraiser gets a copy of the offer to purchase. So they know, with the what, sales price. They know what you're buying it for. That's right. It's not a blind. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that surprises you, Mark? It does. How does, <laughs> how does that work? They'll never admit it, that's, but they know what the purchase oh, that, price is. Does that make their job easier? Yeah. They know what they're shooting for. Well, and frankly, you know, what is the ultimate definition of value? It's what a willing buyer without any under under any duress will sell their asset, whether it's a car or a house, to a willing buyer. So in this particular case, that happened. But then the uh, buyer negotiated down the price based on the inspection. Awesome. In the meantime, the uh, underwriter, now remember, Acunet Mortgage uh, operates like an independent insurance agent. You know, if I was selling life insurance, I might have several different carriers that I can sell you, sell your, or get you life insurance through. At Acunet, I don't just have one place to get your 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. I've got several. So we send it over to the underwriting department at our best-priced outlet for that particular loan. And they say, we got some concerns about this property. So have the appraiser address th- these three concerns. And then when you get those addressed, we want a field review appraisal. So this is different than the last story I told. This is where we're saying, have another appraiser. Go out, drive by this property, drive by the cops, look at the original appraisal, and then give us commentary on that. Plus, if they think the original appraiser was wrong, tell us what other comparables you, Mr. Review Appraiser, would have used and what your value conclusion would be. So this takes a little bit of time. And here's a, one other interesting nugget. If you get a call from me yeah. and your loan is in process, <laughs> it probably means there's something materially wrong going on because I'm like the chief problem handler right. at Accident Mortgage. And so, you know, I'm calling up and I'm talking to the uh, buyer, the buyer's agent, and the, ultimately the listing agent with their permission to explain that we've got an issue with this original appraisal. And so we need more time. And by the way, the other thing that we did proactively is we sent it to our second favorite 30-year fixed rate uh, outlet and independently. So two different Fannie Mae sellers and two different human being underwriters. The second underwriter also flagged the appraisal and said, I've got big concerns about this. We're going to want the appraiser to address why they didn't use XYZ comparable and ABC comparable. And when they're done with that, 
we're going to kick it up for a second level review. So after explaining that to the listing agent and all the parties involved, I said, we just need more time. And by the way, you're best off continuing to ride with this buyer. Because if you switch and go with another buyer, chances are you're going to have the same issues. Well, the long story short is that we got the review appraisal back and it was $10,000 lower than the already lower negotiated price. And the seller decided to try to use that as a lever and is ending up buying the property for $10,000 less than Mm -hmm. he originally negotiated. So there's an example of a low appraisal that turned out. Sometimes that's not going to work. And the buyer's going to say, I'm moving on to the next, I'm sorry, the seller might say, I'm moving on to the next buyer. But in this case, I think the seller was motivated. So the review appraisal process with the upsetting, you know, result or potentially upsetting result turned out to be a good thing for the buyer. Saving 10 grand with 25% down. That means he's putting a, how much more money in his pocket? 7,500 bucks. Yeah. $7,500 less. The perception of property can be a very subjective thing. You know. I do feel sorry for appraisers sometimes. All right, when we come back, let's talk about how darn good rates are and why. We'll do that in our last segment of the show. And you're listening to the Acunda Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. All right, this has been a great hour. Just well, been an informative hour. Uh, Appraisal you know. stuff, helping folks going through divorce. <laughs> you folks are covering the bases this week. Yeah, yeah, it's real life. You know, we try to tell tell stories that people can use, you know, or, or appreciate. But every situation, I'm sure, is, is different. It's yeah. unique, it's different, and well, you have to approach it personally. You know what, thank goodness that there are a majority of, the vast majority of transactions go without a hitch and are what I call normal. People have their money in the bank. They work a steady job, and, you know, they have good credit. That's the really the vast majority of them. But it's it's the ones where it is, uh, you know, outside the lines. That it are, helps us do a radio show with those stories. Well, uh, yeah, that's right. If we just said, <laughs> hey, right. we Let me tell you the story. another bunch of loans with no problem this week. You I have know, a boring have, story for you. We have nothing to talk about. So uh, we started talking about this last week, how the Italian um, government, didn't we talk about this last I week? I thought the Italians was on Tuesday. Well, I thought it started the week before. But the upshot is that the Italian government, um, you know, first of all, their population is shrinking. Their economy is shrinking, but they keep borrowing money. That's going to work out really well. Well, so far it has, because for most of the last year, the interest rate that the Italian government pays to borrow money for a period of 10 years has been less than what we pay here in the United States of America, Mm -hmm. the second greatest economy in the world. Or maybe the best, but uh, in terms of size. Second I should largest, say largest, not greatest. Best is the That's best. Right. And uh, so bottom line is that they have more than one party there, so they often have been, uh, more than two parties, I should say. So they have to cobble together a government to rule, mm-hmm. and they're having trouble doing that. And so they thought they were going to have to have what they call snap elections, meaning we got to do this again because we can't build a government. And the risk was that the people who were going to ultimately win that new re-election didn't want to stay in the Eurozone. Because remember, Italy doesn't have the lira anymore. They are part of the Eurozone, and so they don't get to print their own money like we do here in the United States of America or in England, as an example. And so there was this big fear on Tuesday that um, Italy might drop out of the European uh, out of the Eurozone, and that would be like an economic catastrophe. And re-denominate their debt not in Euros but in lira. That's right. So 
that caused a lot of people to pull their money out of the stock market because this could like take down Europe, right? Or cause a big hiccup in the overall European economy, which is slightly larger when you take all of Europe together. It's slightly larger economic force uh, than the United States. So they're pulling their money out of stocks. And where do people put their money when the going gets tough, David? The 10-year American Treasury. That's right. The 10-year United States Treasury bond. And mortgages are sympathetic to that rate. So we had the yield on the 10-year Treasury go from 3.1 the prior week down to as low as? 2.77. Yeah. That's a big drop. If the stock market did that, the CNBC would be on fire. That's right. So so we had that nice dip in rates, and mortgages were sympathetic to that. Now, subsequently, oh, maybe the Italians are going to get their act together. And, and, and so we gave back a little bit of that dip. But where did we end the week, David, on that? On a 30-year, 25% equity and all the other right stuff on a $200,000 loan, 4.625% with an APR of 4648 That's with... $999 in oh, closing good marketing. costs. Thank you. You could still get that uh, 15-year fixed with a three-handle, 3.99%. APR is 4.12. That'll run you... Um, How many points? It's a half a point. It'll oh. run you about $2,300 in costs. Okay. That's not bad. And, you know, the argument for paying points, by the way, Mark, is if you're if you're... At the low point in the market, if you don't think it's going to dip down from here, which is the general consensus rates are going to continue to rise over the next several years, well, now would be a decent time to pay a point because you're probably going to earn that savings back over the next three or four or five years. Um, So uh, what else can we say about interest rates? Oh, we survived the really good jobs reports Belinda Babinek had in her news that yes. yeah the unemployment rate is the lowest it's been since 2000 and before that like 1969 or yeah, something 3.8% unemployment rate and across the board eve david you were giving me the statistic on uh, teenagers was it no people without a high school diploma okay so traditionally their unemployment rate is significantly higher and what is that down to 5.4% less than wow. a high school diploma it says right. something about the need for the workforce well and i noticed coming in here listening to the show you've WTMJ has a lot of ads, not hawking products, but hawking jobs. Companies right. saying, hey, we're hiring for this and that and the other thing. Right. So companies are really having a hard time. Yes. Now, the good news is that the high demand for workers has not resulted in very high wage growth yet. I think the year-over-year wage growth was... 2.7. Yeah, 2.7%. We haven't seen inflation flare up. I think the latest number that the Fed likes to use is about 1.8% year-over-year uh, increase in the cost of goods. Remember, inflation is the enemy of interest rates. So bottom line is we are living in a Goldilocks world relative to where rates are right now. Not too they, hot, not too cold. They could easily be a lot higher. Yet the Federal Reserve is very likely, now it's back to 90%, that they're going to raise the prime rate and their Fed funds rate on June 13th, less than two weeks away. That's going to make the rate on everybody's home equity line of credit go up another quarter percent. Uh, prime rate will then be at 5%. It'll also hurt credit card balances. So we are still amazingly helping a lot of people refinance to consolidate their higher rate debts um, and also helping a ton of people with their rock solid guaranteed pre-approval, which is exactly what you need to be the best version of you and show that seller that you are the next best thing to a cash buyer. You can get started with your rock solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy or a no social security number required refi checkup by clicking on that big blue button at accunet.com.
BrewersBasement.com. David will be here next week. Mark, I will not. Looking forward to it. Brewers Baseball to 1235. Bob Euchre on the call. WTMJ Newstime 1058. The preceding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.